0: Well, good morning. I know folks are still coming in, and I was just told that most Sunday school classes don't start until about 10 o'clock. And I know it's only 9.40, 9.41, something like that. Uh, But but we have lots to talk about, and so I want to go ahead and get right to it. Uh, I'll introduce uh, myself. First of all, I'm David. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, And then the man sitting here with me is Mr. Ken Rudolph. And uh, the point of this conversation this morning is to help you get to know Ken a little bit better. Ken's going to preach for us in the next service. And uh, so we thought this would be um, a way for him to kind of give a report on his ministry without him having to just give another speech. So we'll do it kind of conversationally. So for you to kind of hear what he does regularly in his ministry, but then also just to maybe get to know him a little bit on a personal level. So um, how about we pray first? Father, we're glad for this time together and we pray it would be fruitful and profitable for all of us that are here. Thank you for Ken and his ministry and for how you've used him uh, all throughout the world in a variety of ways and for his love for you and for your word and for people. And uh, we pray that would come through uh, in this conversation, but also we pray that as he preaches, uh, in the later service, that our church would be edified, and we would become more like your Son Jesus Christ, we pray in his name Amen, Amen. well, let's start from the beginning uh Where are you from? When were you born?
1: <laughs> All right I was born at a <clears throat> I was born at a very early age um, I grew up now. I, I hope you Southerners won't get angry at me. I was born in New York State, and uh, yes, but it was a dairy farm, so it wasn't New York City. it wasn't the evil people <laughs> and uh so I, I was born at a farm and uh, grew up there and uh spent my first eighteen years uh there in in western new York and then uh until I went to college
0: yep now big family, small family, lots of siblings.
1: Um, I had uh, three siblings. I had a brother and two sisters. Uh, Wonderful family, wonderful Christian family I grew up in. Um, Except we we were going to, at that time, we were going to a liberal church. Uh, I don't think my parents knew that. Uh, You know, the Bible says that they will creep in unawares, the apostates, and that's exactly what happened to the uh, the Methodist Church that we were going to at that time and uh, though I believe there's a lot of uh, great believers there But at least you know all I was taught was that uh, we need to be socially aware of the needs and so that's kind of the uh, I did though. I'd had 51st cousins on one side uh, My mom had 13 brothers and sisters, so uh, That was a lot of fun, and they were all farmers too.
0: Yeah, so so your parents were believers Yes. Yep. And uh, what about yourself? You you came to faith in Christ uh, at what age?
1: Um, uh, is this okay? I think it's Um, when I was uh, fifteen years old, I took my uh, dairy cows to the fair to show them the county fair, and uh, that was the highlight of my life. You know, as a farm kid, uh, met a Christian while I was there. I I didn't know that he was. Um, I just knew there was something different about his life and his family. They seemed to know God rather than know about God. And uh, I was very surprised after I got home from the, uh, the uh, fair, the county fair, that uh, his mom contacted my mom and said, would your Kenny, uh, his name was Kenny also, she said, would your Kenny like to go with our Kenny to camp? And uh, I thought, wow, that'd be great. You know, I, he was a good friend and I, I could get out of baling hay for a week and so I went to camp and heard the gospel and I, and I got saved.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. um, did you right away want to go into full-time ministry or as you were a teenager, what was it that you were hoping to do for a, for a career? And how did that change, uh, you know, into wanting to pursue vocational ministry?
1: Yeah, I, I really loved history and school, um, just love history. And, uh, so I was planning on being a, uh, history teacher, uh, in high school, I was gonna to go to college for that. Got saved, uh, I changed churches. I actually got fed up with uh, the liberal church I was in and uh, went to, found a, uh, a, a little Baptist church in the, the town where I, went to, where I went to school. And I, saw, I always saw them carrying Bibles to church. And I said, I think that's where I need to go because when we were at camp, every message was out of the Bible and uh so i just asked my neighbors who went to that church if i could go with them and and so they're they were you know very surprised a 15 year old kid asking if they can go to church with and so i went there walked in everybody had a bible under their arm the preacher man he preached from the bible and it was i mean he was filled with the spirit of god it was just tremendous i just was loving it and growing and growing and uh one one day the pastor was on vacation uh, I'd been going there for about maybe six months. I'd been saved about a year. And um, so I was really grown in the Lord. And we had a guest speaker, and he came in. He was terrible. And, uh, I mean, he was so boring, and he was not like my pastor. And I remember I I, I simply looked down at the, the rug in, in the pew there, and I, I was shaking my head. I said, man, I could preach better than that. And the Holy Spirit. You were 16? I was 16 at the time, though holy spirit said to my heart that's what i want you to do and i remember it was it was a very clear call i remember looking up and and being like i'm going to be a pastor i went home told my mother she was elated my father was like oh no he said they don't make any money and he said especially baptist pastors they don't make any money so he says they don't have retirement programs and all that so anyways that's how i was called to ministry yeah.
0: Did your parents stay involved in the in the Methodist Church throughout that time? And yes,
1: they did, and and I would say my parents are probably one of the instrumental uh, families in that church that brought it back to. Um, uh, I don't. Methodist churches are run by a conference, and my dad would go. He was uh, one of the trustees of the church, and so he would go when they when they were going to be changing pastors. He would go to the conference and say, "All right, we want a pastor who believes." The Bible's the word of God. You must be saved by faith. Uh, we don't want a homosexual. And I forget, there's four things that, you know, I mean, can you imagine if you have to tell your conference, that's the kind of pastor you want. And so they started getting uh, good pastors and they really grew and they, and the church is very evangelical right now. So. Yeah.
0: Praise the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your family now. Uh, how did you meet your wife? When did that happen? How did that come about?
1: I uh, met my wife at uh, Baptist Bible College, which is now Clark Summit University. Uh, very interesting. You all know Bonnie King. Uh, she was my one of my wife's roommates at, at Baptist Bible College. And um, anyways, uh, she had transferred from another college. So she had to take, I was a year younger than her. She had to take a speech class that she had missed in her other college. So... Uh, she actually, I uh, had kind of met her real briefly at the beginning of the school year, and she was actually dating another guy. Do You remember that, Bonnie? Dating another guy, and so you know, I'm younger than her. She's got a really cool boyfriend. He's got a car and everything. So I just
0: and you, you were going to be a Baptist pastor. Yes, you weren't going to have any of those things. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, I. I remember just being good friends with her at class. I'd make her laugh, you know, we'd we'd kid around because the class was pretty boring. And uh, so we just had a great time and uh, her other boyfriend didn't like to go to church. And she was just getting right with God and so she was like, I don't want to marry someone who doesn't want to go to church. And she goes, man, I'm having a great time with Ken Rudolph. And so one day she told someone who she knew would tell me she says, I think I'd like to go out with Ken Rudolph. So one day before I went up to class, this girl stops me in the hallway. She says, I know somebody wants to go out with you. I'm like, okay, who is it this time? You know, she's a Quasimodo sister, you know. And, and uh, so anyways, I'm like, who is it? And uh, she goes, Jenner Bullwinkle. That was my wife's maiden name, Bullwinkle. Yeah. How do you like that, Rudolph and Bullwinkle getting together? <laughs> She says Jenner Bullwinkle, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. So I went up to class, acted like a total idiot, and my wife, who's very confident, knew that this other girl had told me, and so she said, Hey, did Karen tell you I want to go out with you? And I was like, uh, no, no, she didn't tell me that. She said, Well, I, I would like to, so why don't you ask me out sometime? True story. And I'm like, I'll think about it, you know. I mean, my wife was like the princess, you know, like, and I'm the ugly, you know, frog. So anyways, uh, we ended up three years later getting married after I stalked her enough and she, we got married.
0: How long have you been married?
1: 45 years.
0: Praise the Lord. Uh, tell us about your children. How many? I
1: uh, have, uh, four children, uh, three boys and a, and a, and a girl, and, uh, they're all married and, uh, we have 13 grandchildren. And that's why my wife could not be with us uh, today she's babysitting some grandchildren for one of the kids that are over in europe traveling yeah
0: Yeah. so tell us just a little bit about what they do if you don't
1: mind Uh, my oldest son works for the university of north carolina uh, in their foundation he uh, invests money so that they can take the dividends from that and uh, pay for student aid Um, they they have about five billion dollars in assets they have to raise about a hundred million Excuse me, about $100 million every year for student aid. I would take that as a foundation. But anyways, uh, so they give that away every year. Then my second son is a pastor in Cornelius, North Carolina. Uh, my daughter is a teacher in a charter school in Denver, North Carolina. And then my youngest son is a missionary over in Germany.
0: So you attended Baptist Bible College. How did, how did you make that decision uh, that that was where you needed to go to school?
1: Um well, my parents wanted me to go to a Methodist college, but uh, we started having all these uh, speakers come to our church from Baptist Bible College, and man, they were just, they loved God, they talked about ministry, and um, you know, I just, as, you know, God just told me, that's where I want you to go. I just knew that's where I wanted to go, and I, and, you know, they prepare people for ministry, and so um, that was how I made the decision, and I had to kind of appeal to my parents, you know, please let me go here. I'd like to go there instead of the other colleges they wanted me to go to. The other ones were like an hour away from home, and Baptist Bible College was like four hours. So they, they didn't want to let me go, but they finally said, if that's where you think God wants you to go, we'll let you go there.
0: And so you, you began right away, I guess, majoring uh, toward being a pastor. Yes. So, uh you, you you spent I guess four years there and then you served with the school it, was that right after you graduated or how did you had like a um, recruiting type role yes. with the school I think
1: um, I graduated um, it took me actually five years to, to graduate I took the accelerated course and um, so when I got done uh, I worked two years in construction And uh, at first I was, you know, I I just couldn't get any churches that wanted me to come be a youth pastor. That's usually how you start out, you know, being a youth pastor. It's not a bad gig. Yeah. And um, so anyways, uh, I really needed that maturity working in construction. Um, So at the age of 25, there was this church. In fact, it was another one of uh, um, my wife's roommates. It was her dad was a pastor. And She told he was looking for a youth pastor she said she said you want Ken Rudolph. So he called me out of the blue and said I want you to to be a, a Youth and visitation pastor. I started out youth and visitation talk about a weird combination and so uh, And I, but I always wanted to be a pastor. I, I, I really never wanted to be a youth pastor I just wanted to be a pastor, but I knew you had to you know go and learn through You know being a, like an assistant pastor, so I did that for four years, and uh, then after that, uh, I was youth pastor for four years, and then another church that was in the Washington D.C. area, uh, over in the Maryland suburbs, and then there's a church that I was filling in for when they were looking for a pastor, over in uh, Virginia suburbs, and I did that for them four or five six times, and they in that time they had six candidates come in and speak, and uh, after they. they you know, had these six people speak. They asked the congregation, "Who would you like to, uh, you know, invite to be the pastor?" And I said, "Ken Rudolph." And uh, the deacon said, "No, no, he's just a fill-in." And they're like, "Well, he, we liked him better than anybody." So, so the deacons called me up. They said, "We want you to come and uh, be our pastor." And so I, I, I went and candidated, and and they voted me in. And in fact, they started trying to get me to buy a house before they even voted on me. I was like listen, I don't want to be presumptuous. They're like, oh, we love you, we love you, you know, buy a house. So, anyways, that's and how, how I And how long
0: got. were you at that church?
1: I was there six years. And uh, what happened the last two years of uh, my uh, senior pastorate, um, I kept being invited to speak at camps. And uh, I, I remember, you know, of that 10 years of ministry, I always wanted to be a special speaker, you know. Like, no one ever asked me to, you know, because I could never speak preach a a sermon twice you know even my good ones so I'm like if I could just be a special speaker and preach some of my best sermons again and so this uh, friend of mine that went to college with me he he had a huge youth group he had his own camp and so he invited me to come and speak at camp and all these kids got saved and he was like you should be a youth speaker and I'm like I don't want to be a youth pastor I want to preach and uh, then I did some youth rallies for our church association there and everybody's like oh man the kids love you you should i'm like i don't want to be a youth pastor i hate getting buses ready for and planning socials i want to preach and so i I just took it before the lord one day and i said lord if there's some kind of job where i could preach and work with young people i have no idea what that would be but you know you know You have my my address my phone number you just let me know i'm not i'm going to be the best pastor i can be and if you you come and get me if you want me to do something else about two weeks after i prayed that prayer and i just let it go i got a call from baptist bible college and they said hey how would you like to come and work for us now i had worked on maintenance there at bbc before and i was like why you want me to come back and do maintenance you know because I knew I wasn't smart enough to be a professor. I couldn't imagine what would the college want me to come back and do. They said, "No, no. We want you to come back and recruit students." And uh, I had spoken in chapel a couple times for them and and uh the 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 students at the college had voted me one of their favorite speakers. So they said, "We we think you're good with kids and so you're going to have to go and speak at camps and Christian schools." And I'm like, "Yeah?" You know, like <laughs> That would be my dream job. And so I did that for uh, 13 years at Baptist Bible College. And then one of the camps uh, who had had me come every year, uh, Lake Ann camp up in Michigan, they finally said, we want you to come work for us full time. And uh, we just felt God leading us in that direction. So we were with them for 10 years after that. And uh, then at the end of that time, uh, the 10 years that we started getting these invitations to go to Europe. I mean, it was like from different places, too. It, was, it wasn't just one place. And uh, so Association of Christian Schools International, they wanted me to come over and be their keynote speaker for their conference. And we went over there and it really went well. We were asked to come over and uh, uh, visit some of the places in Germany where my son, my youngest son at that time, was, was heading towards being a missionary. And so I would go over and with him and do some of these visits and and uh, speak uh, at some camps and things and uh, there in Germany and I was like, oh man, if I was young again, that's what I would do, you know. And but I'm too old. And uh, so now you want to hear how I got called to mission?
0: Can, can we back up just yes. a little bit? So when did you when did you start at Lake Ann? Uh,
1: 1999.
0: So you said 10 years there, you were full time. So to okay. about 2009. Um, so describe for, cause you, you still every summer speak at Lake Ann. Yes. So has, has your, what you do now, is it different than what you've done before? Maybe you could kind of yes. explain, um, for those who aren't familiar with Lake Ann, what it is exactly you do there. Okay. Um, what you have done and how it compares to what you do there now.
1: Okay. Well, Lake Ann, um, how they run their camps is they have, uh, eight weeks of camp and they have five different programs and they run them every week. Uh, Some camps are like, okay, we'll have a senior high week, then we'll have a junior high week, and a junior week. Well, what we did is we came up with five programs. We have a, a fourth and fifth grade program, then a special sixth grade program, and then a junior high program, seven and eight, then a ninth grade program, which we call Fresh Start for freshmen, and then a senior high, 10 through 12. So there's five programs, and they run simultaneously every week so that what i would do is i would do the senior high speaking for those eight weeks and uh so uh, that way churches can bring all their young people at one time you don't have to go back and forth you know for three weeks with juniors junior high senior high Mm -hmm. and so that's what i did Uh, that's why they wanted to hire me full-time they needed a full-time senior high speaker and then what i did during the school year is i would travel around to uh, churches uh, that supported us and or new churches that were looking at Lake Ann. I would try to recruit them to bring their their uh, people there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think we brought a group to Lake Ann. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we've gone three or four yes. times yeah. and just really have had some students really benefit from from your speaking, but also just from the camp in general. It really is very well run.
1: It's a great camp. Yeah.
0: So, so now, um, 2009, you said, was when you kind of transi- transitioned uh, into some overseas right. ministry. So yeah, let's, let's hear how that came about.
1: Okay, well, <clears throat> number one, my son was getting ready to be a missionary over in Germany, and uh, he knew some German pastors, and so uh, I, I'd also been invited to go do um, a family life conference for uh, some of our Air Force, United States Air Force bases. And so I was getting introduced to Europe and seeing how dark it was, uh, how unchurched it was. And I was just like, wow, you know, I think a lot of times we think in America that, that Europe is like us, but it's really not. It's very post-Christian, uh, post-modern, that kind of stuff. And so uh, here my son was getting ready to go over there and, and I was like, wow, it's just wide open. I mean, you could plant churches till the cows come home and you would not, just it's just wide open. It's not like you're tripping over other people there. And um, so I started gaining a burden for that, even though I never planted a church. But I was like, wow, if I was young, I would do what my son does. And so I'd taken three trips over. I'd gone uh, to Romania, uh, where the Staubs were. Uh, took a trip there one time uh, to speak at a camp. And uh, saw you know that they were. This is very shortly after the wall had fallen, and uh, so you know you could see that the church was really growing in Romania and Hungary. I'd been in Hungary. I'd uh, uh, been in Germany, of course, uh, the Netherlands, and and uh, so Portugal. So I, I just had a burden for Europe, but I'm like, well, I'm too old to go. So, anyways, this burden kept growing and growing, and I was like you know, God, I'd love to be a missionary, but I'm too old. So, uh, Sunday morning, uh, Jan- June 15th, uh, 2008, the day before camp was starting at Lake Anna. I was up in Michigan. Uh, uh, Sunday we went to church, little church out in the country and, and, but they have a great preacher there and, uh, sat down and I was like, Oh, I just want to hear a nice sermon before camp starts, you know? And, and uh, he says, well, we're gonna start a series on Joshua. He says, uh, Joshua's in his late 50s. And I'm like, I'm in my late 50s? And he says, and he's taking over for Moses. Can you imagine how scared he was, you know? And, and uh, he said, now there's 5,000 baby boomers retiring every day in the United States. And I'm like, well, I'm a baby boomer. Uh, but I'm not gonna retire. I got a lot of stuff to do yet for serve the Lord. And uh, he said, but instead of Joshua getting ready to retire, he's starting the greatest work of his life. And I was like, whoa, what are you telling me, God? And he said, uh, the the title for the message today is Three Elements You Need in Your Life to Step Up by Faith in a new direction I'm like I've been thinking about a new direction you know and I'm like what's going on here and I I looked around and saw all these older people I mean they're not going anywhere you know and I'm like God are you speaking to me and but then I the the very first thing I said if this is the spirit I'm like I'm arguing with the Lord I'm like I cannot raise money okay I don't want to raise support that's the most horrible thing in the world you know i amen yes preach <laughs> i'm like i just want people to give me a salary and i can't do it i can't do it the very first point was the first element he says you need to step out by faith is you, the task must be harder or greater than what you can accomplish yourself you know he says you know uh, god's like you got to follow moses oh great thank you <laughs> you know the greatest prophet all of all time you know And uh, he he said, but as I was, as I was in Moses, I will be with you. So God knocked that out right away. I was like, all right, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it. And uh, the second thing he said was, uh, you must know and obey the word of God. Uh, There in the first uh, chapter of Joshua, it says, you know, this word of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. And the Holy Spirit had me take that two ways, you know, to know the word. I'm like, I know the word of God. I've studied and I, I want to proclaim the word of God. But he said, but you must obey the word. And it was almost like God was saying, this is my word to you today. You're going to be a missionary. And so I was like, whoa, I need to obey the word of God. And that's very interesting. The last point was you must recruit the help of other committed followers. So you must enlist the help of other committed followers. And because remember, Joshua took the tribe of Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh to help them. And uh, it didn't hit me at that point till later in the call that what have I done all my life is recruit. You know, I re- recruited for Baptist Bible College, recruited for Lake Ann Camp. And uh, so at first I thought, okay, this is a call. When, I, when, uh, when he was done with the message, he said, let's close by singing. I'll go where you want me to go. <laughs> I just lost it. I cried. And uh, my wife had been in the nursery with our grandchildren, because they had come to go to camp. My daughter-in-law was sitting next to me and she saw me crying, we went out for lunch. She says, what happened to you in church today? My wife said beside me, I said, God called me to be a missionary. My wife snaps her head around, she goes, what? I said, yep, she goes, can we pray about this? I'm like, nope, I I said, it was so clear. And to my wife's credit, right there in that restaurant, she goes, well, if God told you, she says, I, I know you well enough to know if God told you we're going to be missionaries, we're going to be missionaries. And she was in from that point. So then uh, I'm like, okay, i got to start raising money.
0: Yeah, tell them about this part because, okay. yeah, go ahead. Your support raising experience was?
1: Well, the first few churches I went to, they're like, well, we really like you, Ken, but we are not giving you any money. And so my wife's like, okay, mi- like okay, Mr. Missionary. You know, what are we going to live on? Because I'd already told, it here's the thing, I told Lake Ann, you know, that was the summer of 2000. I said, I'm going to be done by 2009. I figured I can raise money easily, you know, and, you know which, you know, and it wasn't easy. Uh, so anyways, my wife said, I think you need a clearer understanding of what God wants you to do. So I went over, I, I planned a trip, I took my two youngest sons with me. My son was going to be a a missionary, and my other son was a pastor. I took them with me. We visited six German pastors. Like, okay, what do you, you know, I'm coming over. What do you want me to do? And they all were like, wow, you're pretty old. You know, you're pretty old to be coming over here and learning German. German is like the hardest language. Do you know they have like five words for the word the, you know, and, there's no rule about it. You, just know have to, you have to know how to use it with whatever noun. Anyways, um, so you know, I met with one guy, and I, I'm just waiting for this enthusiasm. They're like, eh, eh, I'd be very careful, you know, And coming over at your age. And I'm like, come on, God, what's going on here? So the last pastor I met with, and some of you might know him, uh, Rodney Kidd. He's a missionary with BIMI. And uh, he'd been in Germany for over 30 years. And uh, so he'd planted a number of churches over there. So he sat down I mean, he was like really serious. He's like, Ken, uh, if I were you, I'd be very careful at your age. He said, it's gonna take you eight years to learn this language. And uh, he says, you know, that's, that's gonna be really tough. And uh, I'm like, wow. He said, it'd take t- about eight years before you could even share the gospel. And so I was really discouraged, and uh, then he said, well, Ken, he says, I don't even know you. He says, what do you do in America? I said, well, I work for a camp. I said, I preach to young people all summer to, you know, either get them saved, challenged for full-time ministry, or get dedicated to the Lord. And I said, then during the school year, I said, I'm in a different church every Sunday recruiting people to come to Lake Ann. And he puts his hands up like this at the table, he goes, well, that's what we really need. He said, we need a recruiter. He said, we don't need an old guy like you coming over here. He says, why don't you recruit? If you recruit young people, you work with young people. He says, why don't you recruit young people to come over to, to Europe? He said, you have a burden for Europe. And he said, and we need young people from America to come over here. He said, we, our churches are so small. We don't have a lot of young people. If every one of our young people went into ministry, it wouldn't be enough. He says, we're going to need American young people. We're going to need American resources. He said, another thing is, he says, you're in a different church every Sunday. I'm like, yes. He goes, just think you could, you could educate the American church to the need of missions in Europe. He says, when people think about missions, they think about South America, Africa, and Asia. He said, hardly anybody thinks about Europe. And he says, you have this burden. And I was like, yeah. You know, and. And then it hit me, recruitment, you know. That's what I've done my whole life. So I was like, wow, that would be great. So then I went back home. That was in December. Went back home January, and uh, somebody told me, I was at a conference. They said, go talk to ABWE. You know, they're, you know why don't you go talk to them? It was another missionary from ABWE, and, and I says, okay. Because here's the thing. I didn't think anybody would let me do all the things that I wanted to do. So... Anyways, I I went to uh, uh, ABW, and I said, okay, I work with the Association of Christian Schools International over in Europe, and I still want to work with them. I work with some uh, other mission agencies, uh, churches in in Germany. Uh, EBM at that time was, uh, I was working with a church there in Berlin. Uh, I said, there's another uh, church, uh, I think it was with SEND. Uh, church plant in Austria I said uh, I I do work with some ABWA people in in Portugal I said I also want to work with Lake Ann Camp when I came back I said you know I wanted this exposure to young people I'm going to recruit and so I asked Lake Ann I said would it be okay if I just spent the summers instead of being a full time employee and they were like oh we'd love that you know cost them a lot less money and so they were all for that And so they said, yeah, you could still do what you do, except you'd be traveling for missionaries instead of uh, just recruiting people for camp, which I really wanted a broader ministry anyways. You know, I felt like I had this milk route in Michigan where I was, you know, just come to our camp, come to our camp. I'm like, I want more than that. And so God was building this sense of expanding our our ministry. And so I went to ABW. I said, so I want to do all these things. I want to work with. Christian schools in Europe. I want to work with, oh, and then my son, he was with ABWE, church planning. I said, I want to work with these German people and I want to work with people, you know, all over Europe. And I'm like, so you wouldn't let me do that, would you? And they're like, oh yeah, we call that mobilization. They said, so they said, sit down at the computer. My wife and I, they made us sit down at a computer, fill out an application. We went back, went back to our hotel that night, laid in the bed, stared at the ceiling in shock, like we just signed up to be missionaries, you know, and so now we got to raise money, and wow, what a journey that was, so anyways, that's how God called us into the the mission that we have, and uh, so we do, we work with all different, uh, we work with youth in America, we work with youth, oh, uh, another thing is, uh, when my wife and I, after we joined ABW, we went back to Europe, and We're talking with a German pastor and his wife, and uh they at the breakfast table they said, you know, we've been praying for twenty years, we'd like to start an English camp. And uh this is why I think God took me ten years with Lake Ant Camp about learning how how to do camp. And so uh as I'm there with uh uh this this pastor and his wife, they said, We've been praying twenty years that we could start an English camp. They said, But we need a we need a speaker. (laughs) It was like He's like, that's, that's what I do. They're like, well, we know that, but you wouldn't want to do our camp, would you? I'm like, yes, I've given my life to do camps in Europe. And so they're like, oh, good. They said, I said, all we need now is a camp. They say, well, we were going to take you to see some castles today, but we do have a camp. Our church owns a camp. Would you rather see the camp? I'm like, yes, I want to see the camp. And so they took us to this beautiful camp up in the mountains. And just a beautiful, about 50,000 square foot building. It's just beautiful and huge, up in the mountains of uh, uh, Germany there. And so we just finished our eighth year of doing uh, English camp there for them. Uh, We've done other camps in uh, Romania. We continue to do that. We're trying to raise money to build a camp in Romania. So we do camping. We do Christian schools. We do youth work and camps here in America. And uh, I do a lot of mission conferences too.
0: So you still, even at this point, are more... Uh you're, you're still in a different church just about every Sunday, I guess, even yes. in the States. I mean, you have a home base in North Carolina.
1: Yes. But yep, you're still yep. visiting and recruiting. And, yeah, we're so, still recruiting.
0: So there's a chance that somebody here today might get recruited for missions in Europe. I saw these young people yeah, in the front row here. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. And all you older people, too. Don't get comfortable. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, good. So, um, if you, when people, so if somebody were to ask you, what is home for you? Do you, do you list all those things? I guess you spend certain times a year in North Carolina, certain times a year in Michigan, certain times a year in Europe.
1: Yeah, we, we don't spend much time at home. We're, uh, we spend uh, about seven, eight, nine weeks at, in every summer in Michigan. Um, we spend some time at, in North Carolina. In fact, we're actually going to be selling our house. And uh, our oldest son, who uh, uh, just built a new house, he put a third story on it. For us to, it's an apartment on the third story. Everybody's like, third story? I'm like, yeah, we need to exercise. And uh, so we're going to sell our house, move in with him so that we won't have to worry about a house when we travel. We're, we usually spend six weeks in the fall in Germany. That's uh, so when we do our English camps. And uh, uh, we also do the, a lot of the Christian school. There's the big conference every, every year in Hungary. Uh, for ACSI, they have about 400 young people that come to this thing every year from about 45 different schools all across Europe. And uh, a number of times, I've been the keynote speaker. And if I'm not a keynote speaker, I usually do workshops for them. And so, you know, I'll tell you the best people, young people to recruit for missions in Europe is Europe, European young people. So we feel that's a that's a great ministry that we have there. And from that, we usually get invited to many uh, Christian schools to speak, do spiritual life conferences. Uh, This spring, we also spent about six weeks in Europe. In the spring, also, this spring, I'm speaking in a Christian school in the Netherlands, four thousand students. Another Christian school in Rotterdam, seventeen hundred students. Now, you might say, how can how can these schools be so big? Well, Europe has never had separation of church and state. So if the Christian schools are doing a good job there, if their test scores are up, and, and most of them are very much higher than the public schools, the government will give them money. They're like, hey, you're doing a good job. Why wouldn't we give you money? They said the only, thing, the only requirement is in your science class, we want you to, give, uh, we want you to teach evolution as a, as a theory. And they're like, sure, we'd do that anyways. So I, I know the school in Rotterdam, they, the, the, the government built their building for 1,700 students, uh, built a building, and pay the teachers' salaries because the school is doing such a great job. So the, the Christian schools in Europe are exploding because they, they, they're doing a good job uh, training. Now, those are, those are uh, national schools and international schools. Um, the one school I work with in, in uh, Vienna, Austria, they, they have 56 different countries represented in their international school. They speak English, but uh, they're, they're one subway stop down from the United Nations building that they built in Europe. And so you have all these countries there, and they want their kids. Uh, I'll tell you, about 30% of the students there are Muslim. But the Muslim parents want their kid. They know if they, they're in a Christian school, they're going to get morals. And so they, they actually send them to these Christian schools. They want them to learn English also. But uh, great opportunities in the Christian school movement. And also my son, he works with this uh, church planting movement in Germany. And uh, right now they, they're, they planted a number of churches. And uh, they only have like my son and Pastor Michael Landel. They're they're like pastoring five churches between them, so they have to. Yeah, I'm telling you, they we need pastors. We need you know people that will go over and give their life to to help these churches. So a lot of people. Oh, let me tell you. Also, uh, remember when Germany had 1.5 million refugees sent to them? Okay, the the town of Kuzel where yeah, the the base of this church planning movement is, they received 600 Muslim refugees overnight. They, they brought them, put them in an old high school there. Uh, the church, instead of being scared, they reached out to these people because they were living in a high school, reached out, started bringing them to their homes and feeding them. They've had 45 uh, converts that have been baptized. They've had 20 more get saved waiting to get baptized, okay? Now, baptism means a lot to these people, okay? Because when you get baptized, that means you've really crossed over. And it could mean death for them. At these baptismal services, they've actually had spies from Iran and Afghanistan come to watch to see who's getting baptized. And then they have 15 more. My son just told me that a couple days ago. 15 new uh, people have started a Bible study, Muslims from this group. So they've actually started, uh, they, uh, Iran, most of their refugees they have are from Iran and Afghanistan. They speak Farsi. They have another guy, I, I, I have his testimony written down, uh, how he got saved, got to Germany, and he is now kind of pastoring this Farsi church uh, that's meeting in, in um, the church there in Kuzel. So, there's a German church and a Farsi church. It's pretty cool. So, anyways.
0: So, what do you do for fun?
1: <laughs> I just travel and preach the gospel. That's my fun. Okay. Okay. So,
0: Are you a reader? Do you like to read?
1: Uh, I'm not a vociferous reader, but uh, I, I love, I love <laughs> C.S. Lewis. I like to read a, a lot of his stuff. And um, so.
0: What about preaching influences? Who taught you to preach? you have a preaching style that's kind of modeled after somebody?
1: Yeah. Um, I learned how to preach from uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor preaching one I one day they let me preach in big church. Okay. You know, usually the youth pastor never gets to preach to the big church. You know, so I got to preach of big church and I, I realized about halfway through the sermon, nobody was listening to me. You know, I just had a Page full of notes, and I didn't even know what I was trying to say. I just, and you know, people are checking their watch, you know, I I could just tell I'm not reaching anybody. And I always was pretty critical about bad preachers, so I'm like, I'm one of them. So I remember going back to my office crying, and as I was crying, I looked down, and here was this book that my home church had given to me at my ordination called An All Round Ministry. And they were sermons by Charles Spurgeon. And uh, I just, I don't know, I just pick, picked it out and I started reading it. I'm like, I need to you know, learn about the all round ministry. And they were sermons by Spurgeon about you know, how to preach so many messages. And, and, and this book became my companion. And I get so on fire just reading this. I'm like, wait a minute. if, if This guy's dead and he's inspiring me. So it must be something about his structure, how he presents the truth that is, you know, appealing and, and uh, can keep your attention. Because, I mean, I, I mean, I'm mean, i reading words and I'm getting excited. So I started outlining, like, how does he do it? What does he do? And I, and you know, the, a certain uh, paragraph would jump out. I'm like, why is this paragraph so good? And, I, and I'm like, oh, I see what he does. And so I remember they gave me a second chance to preach in big church, and I'm like, I'm going to use all those little tricks I've learned from Charles Spurgeon. And so I got up and I and I, I did everything that he did. And I'm telling you, on the way out, all these deacons were grabbing my hand. They're like, "What happened to you?" You know, and they're like, "Did you get saved?" Or you know, <laughs> it, it was interesting. And so. Anyways, uh, that's but he he influenced me more than anybody about my preaching.
0: Good. He's not a bad one to have uh, have you influence, have influenced you. All right. Um, so, when people think about the legacy of Ken Rudolph, what do you hope they remember?
1: I hope they remember <clears throat> that I was that I was in love with Jesus. And that, he was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Well, Ken, I appreciate your time this morning. I hope this was helpful for others. I know it was for us as well. Uh, Your ministry has impacted me. It's impacted uh, students from here. It's impacted uh, families from here. And I know not just from here, but a lot of places. So we really appreciate your time, and we look forward to you preaching for us in the next service as well. So uh, would you thank Ken uh, with me here today?